Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything that is left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. Before we dive into this, I want to start things off the same way I always do, tell you that you're appreciated, you're loved, and I love that you're tuning in and helping to make this podcast a success. If you could share it with your circle of influence, that will help expand the reach so that everyone else in the world, ideally 100% of all human beings, will at one point tune in. They'll be able to find it because right now most of them don't know the podcast actually exists. Last week, uh, we didn't have a podcast. I wasn't able to get much lined up to get everyone talking. I tried to do that over there on the Facebook page. I had a little bit of stuff on my plate. Uh, Last Thursday, I went in for a partial knee replacement surgery. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, but Scott, you're so young and handsome and incredible. How can you need knee replacement surgery already? And I say, yes, I, I am incredible and handsome and young. But I'm also so incredibly awesome that some events happened that led up to, well, knee replacement surgery. So today's episode is going to be a little break from the usual left of normal stuff. It's just going to be a story of how awesome I actually am. Maybe foolhardy would be a better word, but uh, still working on that one. All right, so let's take a look way back into a forgotten decade called the 90s. It was a time when only pretentious people had cell phones. Social media wasn't even a glimmer, and we did awesome things not for internet cloud clout, but just because they were fun and awesome to do. During the summer before my senior year of high school... Our youth group got together, and we went up to the Rimrocks to do some rappelling. And, of course, we were all over this saying, me and my friends, we were all over this saying things like, oh, heck yeah, we're rock climbers now. And, subsequently, we never actually did any rock climbing. All we would do is just rappel down, hike back to the top, and wrap down again. It just kind of progressed from there. We were introduced to it at a youth group, and we saved our handful of dollars from our jobs that made $5.15 an hour to purchase our own gear. Eventually, some of that gear was ascenders. Uh, These are kind of devices that you can hook onto the rope, so after you rappel down, you clip onto the rope and you pull your way back up. So now we wrapped down and then we climbed the rope back up. I'm not sure why we didn't just buy climbing shoes and actually climb the rocks back up, but, you know... That's uh, that's the way we were thinking back then. So, a little information for those of you who aren't from Billings. Uh, you heard me say the rim rocks to do rappelling. I thought I had it in my notes here, but I, I got to take a little break here because I need to explain what these are. Along the north-ish side of Billings, there's a band of cliffs. They're 22 almost 100 feet tall. If you look them up, they actually say they're like 200 feet tall, but that's coming from the bottom of like the debris pile to the very tippity top. There's no actual cliff that's that tall. Most of them range about 30 to 50 feet. Uh, They're made out of sandstone. Uh, From what I understand, it's the remnants of an ancient seabed, kind of the most of the sea washed out to the south, leaving this cliff band for us to enjoy and 
very unique natural landscape feature. If you're not from around here, I highly recommend Googling Rimrocks of Billings, Montana. So anyway, my friends and I, we're always the adventurous sorts. Whenever a new sport or activity came along, we'd just kind of jump right in and see if it was for us. Uh, Most of it revolved around outdoorsy stuff, the mountains, hiking, backpacking, skiing, maybe a little bit of caving, just overall enjoying nature. So when we were introduced to rock climbing and rappelling, it was a it fit our MO nicely. And we found every excuse we could to get out there and exercise our new interest. Now at the time, uh, 17-ish years old, I was big into soccer and skiing. Those were kind of my two big sports, two main things. And somewhere along the way, somewhere doing those activities, I hurt my knee. It just started aching, especially when I tried to run or do something strenuous. I mostly just ignored this because aches and pains were a part of life when you're active and rambunctious and spent most of your life getting knocked down and getting back up again. Ain't nobody going to keep me down. Anyway, I finally asked my dad, take it in so we could take me in so we could get it looked at. Uh, the doctor, ever so wise and concerned with the well-being of his patients, took an x-ray and came back to the room and stated, well, I full-on thought this x-ray, we'd get this x-ray and we would not see a single thing in there. I figured it was probably just a strain or maybe, you know, just growing pains that you're complaining about. But there is something. And he proceeded to show that a flake of bone had separated from the end of the femur in what is called an avulsion fracture. That piece of bone, if I recall correctly, it's been 24-ish years since this time, was about the size of a dime. It had broken off the rest of the bone, but it was just kind of hovering or maybe floating right in, in the proper place. So the prognosis was, don't do anything stupid, wear this brace, and it'll likely just heal up just fine. It'll just kind of reconnect. What I heard, however, was, here's the challenge. Go do crazy things and see just how badly you can wreck this thing up. And I don't believe it was even a week later when Clay and I were sitting around at his house one October afternoon trying to decide what to do. We wanted to head up to the rims to muck around with our ropes and wrap down and, you know, just be goofy. But it was already getting a little bit late, and by the time we drove up there, hiked in, sat up, it would all... It would, it would be after dark. Uh, we didn't want to go with our headlamps, because back in this day, headlamps were not very bright. They were difficult and uh, expensive. You had to pack those things full of batteries, and they lasted about an hour. I looked at Clay's house after we decided not to go to the rims, and I said, your house has a chimney. Why don't we just tie off to that and practice our rope here, rope work right here in your driveway? We thought that was a great idea. We climbed out the second story window, tied off to the chimney, and Clay ran back inside to get the video camera to capture anything amazing that was going to take place. Mind you, this was back before cell phones, let alone smartphones, so we didn't constantly just have video sources with us at all time. And we wanted to make sure to capture the events in case something awesome happened that we could send into America's Funniest Home Videos. Meanwhile, Clay was inside getting the camera. I roped up and thought, well, I'll just lower myself over the edge. And that way when Clay comes out, he can film. I'll drop down to the driveway. We'll see where this goes. So I stepped over the edge of the house, off the roof, onto the edge. And I realized very quickly that house siding is much more slippery than sandstone cliffs. And my foot slipped right off the siding. I lost my balance and I panicked. 
Now, any experienced climber knows that if you get into trouble, you take your right hand with the rope in it, and you shove it back behind your back as far as it can go. Uh, the piece of uh, the piece of equipment called a belay device or a rappel device is designed to lock off when that happens, and it catches the rope, prevents you from falling, assuming all your knots and everything are sound. At this time, however, I was not an experienced climber. So instead of whipping my right hand behind my back, I let go of that completely, and I grabbed the rope that was right in front of me with both hands. Now, if you're falling at whatever you know the rate of acceleration is, you tend to fall really fast, grabbing a rope that's maybe half an inch in diameter and trying to squeeze as hard as you can will not hardly even slow you down, let alone stop you from falling. On my way down, I smashed through the basketball hoop and fell onto the driveway right as Clay was running out of the house. Now, I have a video camera in one hand. He's like, what just happened? And so I sat up, I looked around, and if you've ever spun a quarter uh, you know how when it's getting to the end of its spin, it's kind of starting to fall over. It's still spinning, but it's not standing up. It's kind of going whoomp, 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 whoomp. Well, the basketball hoop was doing that very thing right there in the driveway next to me. And I laughed at it, and I pointed at the hoop, and I was like, yeah, I, I broke your basketball hoop. I believe he had started recording at this time, but who knows where that video ended up. Anyway, and this is all back on VHS days, so who knows if it's even still around. Probably in a box somewhere in his parents' basement. So anyway, we giggled, I giggled, we laughed about it. Nothing was really actually hurting. And then I tried to stand up. My knee was not having any of that. So I hobbled to the car and drove over to wherever my dad was. He drove us down to the emergency room. They x-rayed it again, and they're like, well, yep, you broke it. It's like, yeah, I, I broke it a long time ago. We, we knew that it was broken. So it turns out that the flake of bone that was mostly hovering in the right place and would have healed just fine had I not been so incredibly awesome that day had busted loose and now was stuck somewhere in the joint. So the nurse holds up this brace and she says, um, the brace is straight, but your leg is bent. So we're going to have to straighten your leg in order to get you into this brace. I had already tried to straighten the leg. It did not straighten and I knew this was going to suck because most likely a piece of bone was sitting in the joint preventing the leg from straightening out let alone you know the pain that would ensue from straightening a leg with a piece of bone stuck in it. I grabbed the side of the hospital bed and the nurse pushed down on my leg as I grimaced. Clay turned away seeing the pain I was in was too much he couldn't even watch and a single tear rolled down my cheek as I strained and hoped not to pass out. Now, I'm, my memory recalls that the nurse was pushing down on my leg, trying to straighten it for roughly half an hour to 45 minutes. Uh, most likely, it was more, more like 30 seconds to one minute. The head nurse came rushing in. She's like, no, no, you do this. And she like, click and bent the brace so it matched the bend in my leg. It was uh, quite easy to do. So a few days later, I went in, they sliced my knee open. Uh, first, it was going to be an arthroscopic surgery, but the doc said he couldn't see the bone since it didn't break through the cartilage. So he had to cut it all the way open so he could get his eyes in there. And he's like, no, it was actually really easy. I sliced right here along the top. I moved your kneecap off to the side, pinned that bone back in place using biodegradable pins. So 
You won't even have to open it up a second time to remove any pins. Wham, bam. Thank you, doctor. Uh, was six weeks on crutches. And by that winter, by the time the winter was even over, I was back to skiing and being awesome and, you know, doing all sorts of backflips off houses again. I didn't do a backflip the first time. It happened too fast. Now, over the years, I just kept being awesome. I couldn't really run very well. That always hurt, but I never really liked running anyway. I could still backpack, hunt, climb, fish, do flips on trampolines, and basically anything. And my knee was more or less 100%. Got achy every now and then. And for a couple decades, I did just did my thing. So, round rolls 2020. No, not the COVID year. I mean, it was, but that's not the story. A friend approached me and asked if I'd be willing to help lead a group up Granite Peak, the highest mountain in Montana. I had been up there in 2007, and I thought it'd be a great way to get back on the mountain. However, I was now in my late 30s, not my mid-20s, and I figured I should probably do a little bit of training to prep the body for the strenuous uh, backpacking and then climbing. So I started out 25-pound pack on my back, and I went for about a four, four-and-a-half-mile walk every day. Or not every day, every three days, or three times a week, every other day. There we go. Around the neighborhood. Uh, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday type thing. Maybe one on Saturday or Sunday if I was feeling ambitious. Soon I felt my legs were actually getting stronger. I wasn't getting as tired. And so I jogged a little bit. I'd kind of do a half-jog, half-walk, maybe jog for two blocks and walk for two type thing. And I kept getting stronger. Weirdest thing. You work out and your body uh, uh, compensates. So then eventually I was jogging the entire four, four and a half miles. And then I was doing so without getting extremely tired. So I added a little bit more weight. And then a little bit more weight. And by the time we were ready to climb the mountain, I had 52 pounds on my back as I jogged a few miles several times each week. I hated it. The training absolutely sucked. I don't like running. I didn't like running. And my, but my knee... Felt great and didn't have any pain. Now, backpacking and climbing that summer was wonderful. I could hike forever and not get tired. It was it was amazing. Incredible. Next year, I changed it up a little bit. Instead of wearing the pack, I just went for more miles. I ran more and packed on more miles, but I didn't do the weight training. That summer, I found it wasn't as easy to hike and backpack, and so I realized i got to do some weight and not just run. Um, that summer also, or that fall, October, was my birthday, and I managed to log 56,000 steps, just a little bit over 56,000 in one day. Spring of 2022, I was ready to start training again. I purchased a weighted vest so I didn't have to wear the pack. It kind of bounced around on my back and wasn't entirely comfortable. I started this, this uh, vest was, I could manipulate the weight in it. Started with 16 pounds in it and started on a run, uh, maybe my like second, third run for the year sometime in May-ish, I think. No big deal. Uh, but it started to hurt. My knee started to hurt. Same run as usual. Just took a step. Oop, that kind of doesn't feel good. Sometimes this would happen, and I'd just take a break for two or three days, go back to normal, and then start over. Well, this time it did not go back to normal. It swelled up all huge-like and just kept being painful. So I went in, had an x-ray done. Uh, they didn't find any breaks. I thought maybe there was like a stress fracture or something, but no breaks in the bone. Uh, but it was discovered that my cartilage was severely diminished on the medial. That's the inside part of the right knee joint. So I took it easy. 
took some meloxicam to reduce the swelling, but every time I tried to run, it would hurt. And so I decided that the running days were just over. Backpacking that summer was actually really tough. Uh, turns out some sort of exercise is necessary to really uh, backpack like a superhuman. I did, however, maintain my steps. I just didn't run. I got 10,000 or more steps for nearly two years in a row. A uh, series of events made that stop happening. Spring of 2023, I was running bases at a kickball game. Uh, not super hard, super fast, nothing, just normal jogging around the bases. And then suddenly things started to hurt. Uh, I was just going from third to home. Nice, easy jog. Bam, knee really hurt. And it didn't stop hurting. I limped around on it. I saw the chiropractor and it was just constant pain. And so went in, had an MRI done. Showed that I had a severely torn meniscus. Uh, likely that x-ray from a year earlier that showed diminished cartilage, it didn't show the tear torn meniscus because they're not designed to look at that sort of thing. So now I had what was called an offloading brace. It'd kind of push on the outside of the joint and kind of pull it open so the inside of the joint it would alleviate the pressure, hopefully make me feel better again, ideally heal up just a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, that offloading brace was just to delay the inevitable surgery that would someday come. Doctors were hoping to get, you know, 10 years out of it. Summer 2023, I backpacked a couple times. I climbed Granite Peak again. I maintained being awesome. And come fall, during kickball season again, I likely tore the meniscus maybe a second or time or a third or a fourth. Hunting probably didn't do it any favors. Just constant pain and even more pain as I walked. And even just walking through the house at this point was to the painful point. And there were times where I'd have like some of the worst pain of the day just lying in bed and I'd just bend my knee because, you know, why wouldn't bending your knee while laying down hurt? Got on the list for a partial knee replacement. January 4th, 2024. Uh, at the time of recording, it's only about six days ago. I went in, I had it done. Walked into the operating room, I was introduced to five or six people that I instantly forgot their names, and the anesthesiologist wiped down my back to give me a spinal tap, and then I don't remember anything until I woke up. Later on, the surgeon came in and said that the little bit of cartilage that was left in there was just in shreds, my knee was, my knee was grinding bone on bone, and there was no recovering, this was just going to keep getting worse. And it would have been more and more painful until I finally did get it replaced. So, fortunately, it was just a partial knee replacement. Slightly better recovery time than a full replacement, and not entirely as intrusive, but that will probably happen somewhere down the road, because these things are not going to last forever. 15 to 20 years from now, I'll be back in there. They'll be ripping this piece of metal out and installing something new. Hopefully the next one, I'll be able to control it with my phone so I can do like superhuman power kicks while playing kickball. But for now, I'm sitting in a chair with a swollen knee. I'm soon going to be back to being awesome and I'll see what kind of crazy adventures I can get into to wreck this knee up, new knee up as quickly as possible. But I was pondering, how does this relate to being left of normal? And there's really not much there. Maybe the, there's a little bit on how I approach the situation with a logical approach. 
but I have not found any correlations with surgery, pain, tolerance, etc., etc., or anything along those lines of when it comes to being on the spectrum. But I suppose there is a perk of being laid up right now. I'm not going stir-crazy because I never really go stir-crazy other than, you know, not being able to move as quickly as I would like. But it is kind of nice because when somebody asks me to go do something, I, I'm i kind of a little glad that I have an excuse and I'd be like, well, sorry, I can't come to your social event because, you know, I got this knee thing going on. For now, you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right. And if it feels right, then it must be left. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, please like, comment, subscribe, join the Facebook community. You can ask any questions you have over there. Nobody will judge you. You can post it anonymously if you don't want others to find out who posted it. Remember, take care of your young knees because they will come back back to bite you later in life. Possibly literally bite you depending on where medical technology goes in the next few years. And of course, share this podcast with your friends, whether they're left, normies, or right.